0: Darren Burrell and I'm your co-host Patrick McIntyre we will explore the stories from our conscious collection of music books and film the ones that have shaped our lives join us as we take a closer look at what remains Hello again, and welcome to Remainders, where we share stories from our conscious collection of movies, books, and film. The stories, the sounds, and the characters that stay with you long after they've returned to the shelves. Today, and throughout this 10 part season, we will be exploring the steps within the creative process how the stories, sounds, and characters we love come to exist. Together, We'll be exploring the steps involved and the joy that comes with fully immersing yourself in creation. Our season is currently underway with the first two episodes on inspiration and how to find it and being uncomfortable. If you missed either of these episodes, you can go back and listen at any time on the podcatcher of your choosing. Let's get into today's episode, shall we? What do you think of when you think of pre-programming? The word itself means to program in advance, a preset that controls something we will do in the future. Most of the time, we make decisions without really thinking about why we're making them. Does this conjure up any relatable scenarios in your mind from your own life? Try to think back to a situation where you relied on your unconscious mind to control a decision that you had to make. Something that was a learned or taught behavior throughout the course of your life. Was it when you got into the car this morning and locked the doors? If you're like me, you can hear your parents repetitively telling you to be sure to do this along with fastening your seatbelt before you put your keys in the ignition. I don't even want to get started on turning off the lights when I leave a room in my apartment. Mom, if you're listening, I love you. And thank you for saving me a few bucks throughout the years. It really does help to turn off the lights when I leave the room. You were right about that one. So these are some good learned behaviors at least in my mind. The ones that are helpful throughout our lives. Speaking of moms, our pre-programming comes into play every year on May 8th. Every Mother's Day, we are influenced by the retail gods to send flowers, chocolates, and greeting cards that must be purchased on this day to show our love and affection. And maybe you keep that influence going for dear old dad on June 20th, Father's Day. I mean, if we don't celebrate and buy a lot of stuff for our parents on these select days, then we can't really say that we love them, right? We even experience some pre-programming when we buy that six-pack of Miller Lights just because we saw an advertisement during the big game. Is it even possible to enjoy a game without beer? A few years ago, I would have answered no to this question. What if I told you that you don't have to celebrate Christmas on December 25th with your family? You could do it a few days earlier or a few days after to avoid the traffic, the high-priced flights, and the overall anxiety and stress that comes along with the holidays. Why must we follow these made-up dates every year? I mean, I get that it's Jesus' birthday and all, but, you know, my point is we're told that these are the days that we should gather. What if I told you that there's no pressure to drink a beer in a bar? You could simply have nothing or just water. As stuntman Mike says in Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof, you know, a bar offers all kinds of things other than alcohol. Women, nacho grande platters, the fellowship of fascinating individuals like Warren here, alcohol is just a lubricant for all the individual encounters that a bar offers. Why do we always have to revolve our social lives around alcohol? Well, the answer is simple. We don't. It's entirely up to us if we decide to partake in an alcoholic beverage at a bar, a party, or elsewhere. Over time, we have learned from watching television, our parents, advertisements, and so on. We're taught that this is the way it has always been, so we must adapt these habits as the rule for our lives. This is a particularly damaging byproduct of our programming. In keeping with our theme of being joyfully present in the creative process, let's talk about some of the positives and negatives of pre-programming in our creative lives. To start, I'd like to just give you my quick and easy explanation of the unconscious mind versus the conscious mind. I know I've been referencing this in every episode thus far, and it has taken me a while to really understand the difference myself. A lot goes into it, and I definitely urge you to pick up some material. It's greatly helped my life and definitely influenced this podcast. Some great books on this topic that we'd recommend are The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, The Naked Mind by Annie Grace, and A Guide to the Good Life by William Irvine. All are fantastic and all are definitely enlightening. In short, when we talk about the unconscious mind, you can think of it as part of the mind that draws up past experiences to make decisions in our lives. Things that we have learned so well That we do them without thinking. I listed a few examples of this earlier when I talked about locking the doors or turning out the lights. When we talk about the conscious mind, we're talking about being aware of our thoughts, watching them, and taking notes about where they're coming from, understanding why we are forming them, and making informed decisions in the moment. Our conscious decisions are made without influence from past experience, feelings, or interests. I believe it's good to have the basics to draw from in our creative lives. A groundwork, so to speak. A lot of what we soak up when we are just starting out in life is learned through our parents and teachers with the objective of building a foundation for us to grow. This is a good thing. I personally have my earliest teachers, my mom, my grandma, and Miss Betty Benedetto to thank for inspiring me with their zest for art when I was just a boy. I think back to those times, and it was so fun to hear about the greats that came before us and the techniques that would be the building blocks of a very fulfilling career thus far. When we accept teachings and influential skills such as these consciously, then our unconscious mind can draw upon these lessons for future creativity effortlessly and without much thought. I like to think that my mind has filtered the good from the not-so-good. I've learned to keep what I find helpful and filter out the stuff that's not so helpful. Or, at the very least, be mindful of the crutches or things that might be holding me back from positive growth. Comparison One thing I'm certainly guilty of is comparing myself to other folks out there in the art world. It happens to all of us, and if we're not careful, our growth can be stunted by doing this. The good news is that none of this is our fault, and there are ways to work on it to become more engaged in our own work. From an early age, most of us learn about competition, and we're told how important it is to be number one in this life. Always be the winner. We're all a little programmed to think that we're not worth a damn if we're rejected in some way. If I had any advice here, I would say it's best to watch these thoughts when they arise and make a note every time you compare yourself to someone or something. Ask yourself why your unconscious mind is going to that place. If you do this enough times, you might be able to pinpoint where those thoughts are coming from and realize that the years have had a way of influencing your thoughts and feelings whenever you get to a certain stage in your creative process. Creativity is one of the most unique experiences we can have. Do not compare your work, or you will forever be riddled with doubt and anxiety and unhappiness. In the worst cases, some people give up creating altogether as they'll deem themselves unworthy. I hate to see anyone give up based on what they think they can or cannot achieve by pursuing some sort of unachievable perfection. Fear of the unknown. I can't imagine a time where I haven't been deathly afraid of trying something new, in my personal life and in my creative life. But why do I fear it? What could possibly go wrong? Think of it this way. We're all afraid that something might happen to us. If I put this song out, people will laugh at me. If I apply to this job, sure, I might get it, but I also might find out that I'm terrible at it and get fired. If I join this gym, I'll have to expose my body to all these people working out around me. We hold on to that fear because there's a chance it might turn out negatively for us. We never think that it could actually be a positive experience. If we don't know what could happen, then we are solely motivated by our unconscious mind. Now, I'm not talking about doing something dangerous like jumping off a cliff to see if the end result will kill us or not. No way, that's not it. I'm simply talking about what we touched upon last time. Be a little uncomfortable and try something new, creatively speaking. Or, push yourself in an arena you've never entered before. Such as signing up for an open mic, or maybe a booth at the local art show. Personally, I've always wanted to be in a play. Ever since I was a kid, people said I was a great actor when I was in the grade school plays. But since then, I haven't done anything with it. Why haven't I done something like that yet? To be truthful, I'm a little scared to get moving on it because I'm afraid I might not be any good. Can you relate to this? Is there something you've always wanted to do but haven't done due to the fear of the unknown? In our work, we can get tethered to the same old style and structure and repeat it until we're no longer making anything interesting or exciting for ourselves or the audience. If we throw caution to the wind a little bit and take some chances, we might find out that these experiences made all the difference in our growth as a creative person. Finally, creating from within and turning off your mind. Some of the greatest joy I get is from the process. When I am truly awake in it, I feel my mind merge into the present. At this point, I am absolutely engaged and focused. It's almost like a rhythm that I can catch. My mind is working, but I'm somewhere else. I am lost within the creative process. It is in the work that I feel closest to God or the universe, whatever your spiritual feelings align with. I feel so much joy by just being present in it. If we're truly to enjoy anything in this life, I really believe that our experiences should be unmolested, meaning they should not be motivated by our unconscious mind or the programming that has occurred over time. Being connected to your body in the work is also something I've been working on. Feeling my hands, my arms, my legs in the process, I start to almost dance when I'm working now. It's absolutely beautiful to experience. I get caught up in the rhythm, and when I think back, I realize I'm completely immersed in the present moment. There's no past and no future. I'm really connected to happiness. I probably look a little goofy, too. Maybe sometime I should film myself doing that. (laughs) I'm sure it would be pretty shocking. But in the moment, it's so beautiful to experience. I hope you enjoyed this conversation on conscious thoughts and pre-programming in our daily lives and in our creative lives. This has been the third episode in our 10-part series on being joyfully present in the creative process. Thank you for listening to Remainders, and if you liked this episode, we have a full first season you can consume on our website, remainderspod.com, as well as the first two episodes in this season. We'll be back next week, and I can't wait to explore a little bit more in the creative process with you. Thanks for listening.